And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning. Welcome to the 12th day of Christmas, right? I mean, it's already here. It's the 12th day of December as we get ready to move into the last, really, last half of the year now. We've got a few things going on this week. Very important. They're going to be moving the markets kind of all over the place. But uh, tomorrow, of course, is the much dreaded CPI report. Will it read hotter than expected and cause the market to sell off? Or... Will it be cooler than expected, causing the market to rally? That's the big question right now. Um, if we go back and, and kind of talk about where we were kind of last week of November for a moment. So as we were heading into the last week of November, we talked about this market rally had been doing very well and that we should start taking some profits there. And, and we were doing that in our portfolios here as well. But start taking some profits out because historically the first two weeks of December, tend to be a little bit sloppy. And this is because of mutual fund distributions and other things that go on the first couple of weeks of December. And, and seasonally, money flow-wise, it tends to be a, a couple of weak weeks um, during the first two weeks. So now, though, we're now past that part. We had a, a good bit of sloppiness over the last really kind of, you know, two weeks of December. Markets sold off from their peaks, back to support at the 100-day moving average. Uh, Friday sold off, sitting right on that very critical technical level of about 3,900. We're just above that right now. So uh, again, markets still holding in just to a very consolidated trading range. So despite the fact the markets have done, have, have kind of moved all over the place, really, you know, going back to the beginning of November, we really didn't make a whole lot of advance from beginning of November till now. The market really hasn't gone anywhere. And importantly, we did kind of break this uptrend that we were building uh, from those kind of late September lows when we talked about a short, we wrote an article on September 27th called a big short squeeze is coming. Um, that rally occurred, we had this nice push, and now the market really kind of stalled out here. Now, again, two things a market can do in order to make another advance. One is to pull back, uh, have a sell-off, and then you can have another rally. Or it can just kind of trade sideways for a while, work off some of that overbought condition, and then move higher. Well, we've been doing this consolidation dance now for about three weeks, and now we're moving into that last, really, two weeks of the year. Few things are going to happen here over the next, really, this week and, and then the final two weeks. First of all, this week, as I said, we have CPI. Um, this year, in particular, we've had the biggest moves on inflation days, really, and kind of at any point in, in recent history. The, there's been an average 3% move on CPI days, either up or down. And we've had a lot of those days this year where you had very, very big moves. You'll remember uh, just earlier um, in October, we had the, the uh, sorry, in November, we had that CPI report market was up five and a half percent that day on that least, you know, that little bit weaker than expected CPI hopes at the Fed, of course, was going to start pivoting. Well, that turned out not to be the case, but you had this very, very strong move on a CPI day. Well, tomorrow we've got CPI potential setup here after a bit of sloppiness over the last couple of weeks that, you know, this market could rally if that number comes in weaker than expected. Now, Wednesday, we have the FOMC meeting. So that's Jerome Powell on Wednesday. He'll, they'll be releasing their latest uh, interest rate increase 
which will be 50 basis points. That's widely expected. Uh, what's not expected in the things that you know could be market moving on Wednesday is the Fed being more hawkish than expected. So here's kind of potentially the setup this week. Market rallies uh, tomorrow. The CPI report comes in a little bit softer than expected. Just making an example. Market moves sharply higher. Expectations the Fed will kind of cool their jets a bit here on Fed rate hikes. Fed won't like that because, of course, as we've said before, these big rallies ease monetary conditions exactly the opposite of what the FOMC wants and Jerome Powell wants. They want tighter monetary policy to slow inflation. So on Wednesday, he comes out much more hawkish statement, tries to take some of the wind out of the cell. So again, this could be a fairly volatile week in terms of prices. So just want to be a little bit cautious here. Now, Friday, again, busy week. Friday, we have a $3.2 trillion options expiration date. So that can send the markets all over the place. And as we're moving into the end of the year, there's light trading volume moving ahead because a lot of traders are leaving, going on vacation, skiing, going to the Hamptons. You know, it's that time of the year. And <laughs> so going to have a light trading volume, kind of inmates running the asylum, big options expiration on Friday. That could move markets. So look, by the time we get to Friday and I write the next newsletter, this market could be anywhere. And, and but, you know, importantly, we do have the setup because of this pullback in the first two weeks of December. We now have this setup as expected for that traditional Santa Claus rally into year end. So uh, again, you know, be a little cautious here, um, you know, outside of just kind of the technical backdrop of, of money flows in the markets right now. We do have a technical sell signal in the market, which also suggests that prices could be weaker here. So again, it's always difficult to kind of predict where markets are going to be. All we can kind of do is look at, you know, kind of what's going on kind of behind the scenes and try to make some guesses about what the risks are. And again, there are cer certainly some bullish catalysts over the next week or two that could lift asset prices higher. But again, I, I, you know, I kind of encourage you um, moving into next year, 2023, use any rally we get over the next couple of weeks, use that to rebalance risk, reduce portfolios, raise cash. Moving into next year, it's going to be a bit more challenging. The Fed is still reducing their balance sheet. Uh, that has really just gotten started. The Fed's balance sheet is down about 4.5% from its peak. Um, in 2019, as an example, they were just tapering their balance sheet and everything was fine in, the, in kind of the, the, the economy, so to speak. There wasn't you know, super high inflation and their balance sheet reduced by almost 15%. So we've got a long ways to go. That's extracting liquidity from markets. Earnings are slowing down. Interest rates are higher. That will impact the economy next year. So again, use this rally, whatever we get. You know, again, this market could certainly move higher over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, so use that to reduce some risk, rebalance your portfolio a bit as we head into the new year. Um, outside of that, of course, one of the areas that we keep talking about and have talked about a lot lately is the 10-year Treasury. Um, getting a lot of emails, I said this on Thursday, getting a lot of emails from individuals going, hey, you know, the bond market's rallying, it's really taking off, Should I, is it time to get in? I kind of missed that trade a bit. Uh, interest rates fell uh, about half a basis point uh, from their peak, so had a fairly sharp decline um, in interest rates. 
came down to support, held support, yields turning up here a bit over the next day or so, about to trigger a buy signal on yields, which is a sell signal because of the inverse relationship between interest rates and bonds, about to trigger a fairly short-term sell signal from a, kind of from a deeply oversold level here on yields, suggesting lower bond prices. So look for a pullback in bond prices over the next two weeks, uh, potentially for that next kind of entry point to add fixed income to your portfolio next year. So again, don't, don't, be, don't rush into that trade just yet. Uh, again, this is kind of just one of those setups that we're looking for, but we need to see um, yields actually form a lower peak here and suggest that we've seen the peak in yields and the bottom in bond prices as we get ready to move into 2023. So good setups coming up. Uh, we'll be monitoring over the next couple of weeks. We'll come back from the break, talk about the 12 days of Christmas. Um, interesting kind of uh, aspect talking about inflation and what's going on and the cost of the 12 days of Christmas. We'll cover that. Be sure and get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. We, our newsletter this weekend kind of outlines our price targets for 2023. And we'll talk about that here on the show this morning as well. Don't go away. Be right back. More of The Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts, realinvestmentadvice.com. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. So welcome back to the show this morning. It's uh, 6-17 as uh, December the 12th. That means uh, we're running up on the 12 days of Christmas here. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because talking about inflation and uh, kind of a variety of other things that are going on again uh, tomorrow is the CPI number. Everybody's going to be paying very close attention to this. As you know, the, the hope will be, of course, if the Fed, if the CPI number comes in much weaker than expected, this will pull the Fed off of being hawkish. That's not going to be the case. Is even if you have a fairly sharp underpinning in CPI tomorrow, um, it's not going to drop the inflation rate enough to, you know, send the send the Fed scurrying to the sidelines, saying, "Oh my gosh, we've done enough. We've got to stop hiking rates." Um, but it was interesting because, you know, most people are familiar with the song The 12 Days of Christmas. And for years, um, PNC Bank has tracked the 12 Days of Christmas. And they track the cost of this every year. And they just recently, uh, a few days ago, released their 2022 cost for the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, the gift basket this year, if you'd like to do that for your friends and family and relatives and, you know, you're not too busy, you know, stealing Christmas 
baskets off of you know people's porches. It was hot this weekend. I mean, that ski mask this weekend. I was out shopping and uh, that ski mask got really hot. It's like it's like midsummer. It's like seventy eight degrees outside in Houston. I was like, you know, what is going on here? It's not December. Um, but anyway, the uh, so this this PNC Christmas list they they track it every year. Um, so the first day of Christmas, of course, partridge in a pear tree. That has risen. So I'll give you 2020 cost, and then I'll give you 2022 cost. So in 2020, uh, cost 210. It's up to 280 for a partridge in a pear tree, and I'm presuming that's the partridge and the tree. But you know, I guess fertilizer has gone up a good bit. Uh, secondly, was the two turtle doves that was 450. It is now going to cost you 600 dollars for two turtle doves. I don't think I've ever actually seen a turtle dove, but is that because of avian flu or something? I don't know. Yeah. But three French hens, yeah, two ten to three hundred and eighteen dollars. Um, four calling birds, five hundred ninety nine dollars. That actually has has had no change. Four calling birds will cost you the same in 2020, 2021, and twenty twenty two. So I I think there's something wrong with that calculation. Maybe there's maybe four calling birds no longer exist. I'm not sure. Five golden rings, cost of gold, of course, eight hundred and forty-five in twenty twenty, twelve forty-five up four hundred dollars um, this year. Six geese a laying, four hundred and seventy dollars in twenty twenty, seven twenty today. Seven swans, same price. So if you can get seven swans of swimming, that that hasn't changed at all. No inflation there. Eight maids of milking, still fifty-eight bucks. Trying to find uh, eight women to milk something won't cost you any more. That's just too many jokes left in that one. Now, the problem with uh, the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th is, is that in 2019, uh, there was no pricing for the next four items because of the pandemic. There were no nine ladies dancing because they were all shut in the house with masks on and, you know, couldn't go outside. Uh, but that will cost you $8,300 this year, up from $7,500 in 2020. The 10th uh, day of Christmas, 10 lords a-leaping, same thing. Um, they were uh, locked up inside in 2019, but they would cost you $10,000 in uh, 2020. Now, in, uh, sorry, um, and then, yeah, 13980 this year. Uh, 11 pipers piping, uh, 3,021, that's up from 2748, and 12 drummers drumming, 2,972, uh, now up to $3,266. So in total, if you want to add all that up, by the way, uh, if you would like to give the 12 days of Christmas and, you know, how I'm not sure how you avoid getting arrested for kidnapping for the nine ladies dancing, but um, it will cost you $45,000, actually a little bit more, $45,523 to be exact. Uh to do that. So inflation, um, that is up 10.5% over last year. So now the, the CPI inflation rate is going to come out tomorrow with the Fed. They'll say, well, inflation's 7.7%, uh, but the 12 days of Christmas cost you 10.5%. So again, you know, this kind of goes to the point that inflation in the household is a lot higher than what the government actually reports. And this is why it's always kind of this, uh, this anomaly with CPI. Because they come out and say, oh, CPI is only 7%. And everybody me is like, have you been to the grocery store lately? There's shrinkflation and, and you know, real inflation. And a gallon of milk cost me 
$400, you know, whatever it is. And so there's always this disconnect between what consumers see as inflation and what the government reports as inflation. And there's why there's always this angst about what's, what's going on with these inflationary pressures. But again, when you start kind of bringing this down into the cost of Thanksgiving dinner, right, there was a very sharp increase this year in the cost of Thanksgiving dinner, primarily in the cost of the bird. So if you wanted turkeys, turkeys had inflated a lot in terms of price over last year. It will be the same thing for Christmas dinner this year. Again, going back to those, those food costs and the things that people spend money on at home, those things are rising much, rap much more rapidly or they are not declining in price as rapidly as we are going to see the inflation prints do. So we may see a fairly decent cut in inflation, uh, primarily as housing prices start to, this this housing price decline and, and rental price decline starts to feed into that homeowner's equivalent rent, which makes up more than a third of CPI. We could see a fairly sharp decrease in inflation over the next several months because of those declines feeding into the CPI calculation. But you as an individual may not see those. And the reason, as we said before, healthcare costs are a good example. You could see a fairly substantial decrease in healthcare costs, but you won't see it individually because most of your healthcare costs are tied up into your corp, you know, your company provided health benefits. Those only reset once a year. So the, the, what you're paying out, you may look at the CPI index and say, look at my health, the healthcare costs went down, you know, half a percent last month. Yours won't change because you're contractually obligated, right? You may see rental rates come down in the index and you go, but my rent's the same because you're under a contract. So your contract, your rental rates will reset. So for the average household, we and this is this is the other problem because of the way inflation works in reality versus how it's reported. You know, kind of this real-time measure of inflation that we kind of guess at, that does vary from one month to the next. For for many things for individuals, they're contractually obligated. So they don't change that much. You know, a lot of people subscribe as a good example, electricity costs. A lot of people will subscribe to these plans that kind of try to smooth out electricity costs over the years so that, you know, and like, for instance, here in Houston, right, it's super hot in the, in the summer, super cold in the winter. So you tend to use a lot more electricity in the summer to cool your home than you do heating your home in the winter, right? Because we don't mind it being a little bit colder in Texas, right? So we'll just bundle up and wear some blankets. Um, but in the summer, it's just dang hot. And so you run your electricity, uh, you run your air conditioning a lot more and that drives up your electricity costs. So what people do is subscribe to these packages to try to smooth out those electricity costs during the year. Um, so again, you may see, you know, utility costs coming down, but not really see much of a change in your home environment until you reset, you know, for the next year. So these are these and so this is why there's always this kind of disconnect between, you know, how people feel about inflation. And when you ask the average person, you know, it's like, what do you think about inflation? Oh, it's just killing me, right? Can't make ends meet. But inflation's coming down. Not my household. My household's expensive, right? Food costs are, are eating me up. And that's because it's just these things take a long time to start to feed through. And, and again, when once you get into and particularly into shrinkflation, this is one of the big, you know, kind of drivers in, in the in the food market. So when you go into, you know, buy milk or or, or 
you know, any type of food or whatever. So there's two types of inflation. There's price inflation and shrink inflation, right? Which is you may pay the same amount for a bag of potato chips, but there's less chips in the bag, right? A lot more air. And, you know, same thing. But in other things where they can't do shrink inflation, like a gallon of milk is a gallon of milk. Really kind of hard to sell you less than a gallon of milk and still call it a gallon, right? There's kind of some some measures there. Um, but, you know, they raise the price on that. But the thing is, is that when inflation does come down, what you won't see at the store is prices come down as much as inflation because one, prices are food prices are sticky. And same thing with gas prices. You know, we had negative oil prices last year, but but the price of gasoline never went back to 50 cents a gallon what, like it was back in the, you know, in the late 70s. So there are certain prices that are more sticky. They may come down a little bit. But we could see a very sharp deflationary binge in the economy. But yet, as an example, milk prices won't go back to what they were five years ago, even though you've got price deflation all across the economy because food prices are sticky. So the, the problem for the average household, and, and again, we've talked about this before, that cost of living, right, that maintaining that living standard, it continues to step up over time. But wages aren't keeping up with that living standard and the problem when we get into these kind of deflationary bents in the economy those more sticky prices don't come down as much you know you're never going to see sub two dollar gallon gasoline ever again in your lifetime right you may see mid two dollar gallon gasoline but you'll never get back the sub two dollar gallon gasoline that you had during the trump administration never happen again because prices are sticky anyway quick break come back Got some other stuff to get into this morning. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about price targets for 2023. This was an article that uh, I wrote about this weekend in the newsletter, and I'm doing an expanded version of that in the next week or so to put in some. Uh, I had some you know, a lot of emails over the weekend going, "Hey, can you do this and that?" And it's like, "Yeah." So I got another part of this coming out, but uh, we'll come back and talk about price targets for 2023. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com in 1999 a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients best interest these men promptly escaped from a high cost margin environment to the houston energy corridor today still excoriated by their former employers they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. It is uh, 633 as we get this uh, morning going. Uh, we had our client Christmas party on Thursday. So every year we try to do something for our clients. And this was the first year that we've actually gotten to do something in person again uh, because of all the lockdowns and everything we had for the last couple of years. We hadn't got to see our clients. And so we hosted an event 
to take all of our clients to go see uh, to see if they could make it. We have clients all over the country, so mostly it was just clients in the Houston area, but to go see uh, Christmas Carol. And so we had a very nice time. It was great seeing everybody. Lots of you know great comments. You know, get to visit with everybody. It was always amazing to me how many of our clients know somebody else that's also a client that they didn't know was a client. So it's just, but you know, very nice event. Turned out well. Um, you know, we sent out also sent out Christmas gifts to everybody as well. So it's been a busy couple of weeks getting ready to wrap up the year. Um, but as we get into this kind of part of wrapping up the year. You know, this is the annual rollout of Wall Street, you know, predicting what's going to happen next year. And predicting outcomes of markets is a frivolous attempt. And it just the the odds of the market doing what you think it's going to do next year is incalculable. There are just too many variations of things that can happen. I mean, you know, who this year thought that Russia would invade Ukraine, right, as an example? You know, these are the things that can happen, and that, that can change the direction and path of markets in any given year. So, you know, the, these exercises in frivolity is, is something that, you know, Wall Street does, and everybody gets all excited about it, and they're like, you know, hey, Morgan Stanley says the market's going to be, you know, this, this, this year, this, this year whatever last time this year or last year this time however you want to say that goldman sachs said that the s&p would reach 5000 this year nowhere near that <laughs> so that's the problem with forecast um when you're in a trending bull market it gets a little easier because you just keep ratcheting up every year we finish the year you know we're at 4000 this year we say hey we're going to go to 5000 next year if we just do what we did last year no problem right Bear markets are a little bit more challenging. But there are some things, though, that we can do to give us an idea of a range of where stocks should trade next year. Now, again, even with that, things can happen. But if we assume that the Fed's going to continue to hike rates, status quo, right, or even just maintain interest rates where they are, continue to do quantitative tightening, that's going to weigh on markets and prices and valuations, most importantly. If we go back historically and, and look at how markets behave, we know that over time, going back to 1900, that stocks tend to trade on a valuation basis above and below their long-term medians. So we can use median valuations as a guesstimate for where stocks should trade if they're going to trade fairly in price, right? So if this bear market is going to continue and we get stocks to trade at a fair market valuation, then what does that kind of give us as a range? So if we go back historically and look, the long-term median valuation of the S&P 500 is roughly 15 times earnings. Going back to 1900. Since 1980, that median valuation has upticked a bit because of these excess market returns. This, you know, we, we traded at 42 times earnings in 2000, traded at you know, near 30 times earnings in 2008, 7, going into 2008. 
hit you know hit almost 30 times earnings just recently. So these higher elevated valuations have dragged that median return up since 1980. So if you just look at 1980 to present as an example, that median valuation is 23 times earnings. So we've just remained elevated for you know the last 40 years. But if we look at the kind of a long-term median, including that 1980 bump, right, that's, 50, that's about 16 times earnings. So we kind of pushed up about one and a half times valuation since 1980 because of this just long-term trading at these higher valuations. So if we take a look at what Wall Street suggests as an example, Wall Street says that the market should trade at 17 times earnings next year. That's what they consider to be fair value, 17 times earnings. If we use the long-term median of 15 as kind of a bear market low. So, so let's break this down into two camps, a recession scenario and a non-recession scenario. So in the no recession scenario, stocks can trade at 17 times earnings, right? Uh, and the, the decline, we've had a 15% decline in earnings estimates for next year. That brings us down to and and say that's you know that decline that 15% decline in earnings estimates for 2023 has as priced in a no recession scenario a recession scenario would would suggest that prices and earnings would decline further but um, let's just again using valuations we'll say that in a recession scenario that we're going to trade at 15 times earnings so if we assume that the end of the year 2023 estimates are right, which they're probably not. If we assume that's right and stocks trade at $205 a share in earnings at the end of 2023 at 17 times valuations, the market should trade at the end of the year right at 3500-ish, 3491 to be exact. Now, the problem with that is, is that that's a no recession scenario. So if we take 17 times earnings at $205 a share, that's $34.91. The stock market is currently trading right near $39.34 as of Friday. So the market's got roughly a 500-point drop from here to get to fair value at 17 times earnings based on $205 a share. That's about a 12.5% decline from here. Now, if we look at it 15 times, so let's say we have a recession and we have a recession without an earnings recession, right? Let's just be optimistic and say $205 in earnings, that's right. And we have a recession, so we trade to 15 times earnings. That's a 3,000 price, 3,100 price target for the S&P end of next year. So it's about 22.5% decline. Now, that would, that would align with the normal recessionary bear market, right? Normal recessionary bear markets decline about 30% on average, roughly, historically. But here's the, here's the issue. The math suggests that next year prices will be lower based on the math of valuations, If you get an earnings recession, and this is something that's coming out in, in part two of this article next week, if you get an earnings recession, that's a very different story. I don't want to really talk about that number. But this is just the math. 
right? So this is just math of, you know, in order for the market to trade higher, and I'm not saying it can't happen. Let's, let's say that, for instance, the Fed comes out tomorrow and says, hey, we're going to do one more rate hike and we're done, and we're going to stop quantitative tightening, right? Whatever. Or we're going to restart QE. That could certainly boost asset prices higher. If you start getting really strong rates of economic growth, that could certainly boost boost asset prices higher. Again, now we're just talking about multiple expansion at this point. So we're no longer talking about trading at fair market valuation. So what is the upside? The upside is you've got to build a pretty strong case for the markets to trade at 23, 25, 27, 20, 30 times earnings on $205 a share. And you have the strong economic growth, et cetera, so forth. You're going to have to start. You've got to get some earnings growth in here somewhere, right? So, you know, we're kind of Xing out the, the growth. We're just saying if we assume that the analysts are right, the upside here is that you're going to have to have a multiple expansion in order to get higher asset prices from here in 2023. And that's, and, and, and that's certainly possible, right? But... If Wall Street is right and we trade at 17 times earnings next year, which is the expectation, prices have to go lower. And again, we've talked about this before. You know, the you know valuations are you know not a, not a great market timing tool. They simply just tell you what the valuation of the market is and they tell you what forward returns are going to be. But the risk is going into next year is that if we do get the markets to trade at a reasonable or fair valuation. And even assuming that earnings don't decline further from here, which is a risk, then markets are going to have to trade lower because prices have to come down in order to reach those valuations. If earnings come down and prices stay the same, valuations go up. If earnings come down and prices come down, you can get to valuation. But that's going to have to be a deeper decline. If prices come down and earnings go up, now you get valuations to come down rapidly, but you still get a price decline. So no matter how you really kind of slice the analysis, it suggests that lower asset prices have to be the case next year just from a function of math. Anyway, that article is on the website. It's our newsletter from this weekend, and I'll have part two on that in the next uh, next few days as I, as I kind of wrap that up. Uh, get by the website, of course, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get our latest newsletter. Make sure you subscribe for our daily commentary. It'll be out at 7.30 this morning um, with our market trading update. It's all at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Be right back to wrap up the show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. In 1999, a parafiduciary group of financial advisors were busted by corporate giants for trying to operate in their clients' best interest. These men promptly escaped from a high-cost margin environment to the Houston Energy Corridor. Today, still excoriated by their former employers, they survive as protectors of others' fortunes. If you have a problem about preserving capital, if no one else can help, and you can find them right here, maybe you should hire the RIA team. The Real Investment Show. 
Welcome back to the show. Just getting ready to kind of wrap things up. You know, so this week is um, kind of the last really full week of, of trading, so to speak, before things kind of get real spotty through the rest of the year. Um, can't believe next Friday is Christmas Eve already. So that's just sneaking right up on you. And so if you haven't done your shopping yet, porches await. Um, <clears throat> just joking. Um, outside of that, of course, then you have um, the week after Christmas, and that's going to be very light trading week heading into New Year's. And then, um, you know, we got the New Year's Day, and then we get into January. So uh, things are going to get real spotty in the markets real quick. And as we talked about before, if you've got things to do before end of the year, do not wait. There are a lot of people going on vacation. So if you need to open accounts, set up a donor advised fund, whatever you need to do for tax purposes this year, make sure you do it this week. Don't procrastinate because you may find yourself out of luck, you know, trying to find somebody to help you out over the course of the next you know, couple of weeks because there's a lot of people going on vacation. So just be aware of that. Um, so. Again, the kind of the big news this week is going to be Jerome Powell, and that's going to be on Wednesday. You know, part of the question, so we we're just talking about price targets for 2023 and the math kind of really, you know, suggesting that no matter how you, how you slice it, you almost have to come up with lower prices for next year, whether it's a, you know, earnings increase and, you know, a, a price decrease, you know, whatever, right? I mean, just it's just... You know, there's there's a lot of risk to the markets going into next year. I'm not talking about like a bear. We're gonna have this massive crash and something's you know, you know, this dollar hedge money is coming to an end. I'm not saying anything at all. It's just the math evaluation suggests that we've still got some more work to do in working through this this market environment, prices versus earnings valuations. You know, doesn't mean that has to be the case. Markets have, you know, markets can do. A variety of things. This is why making predictions a year out is a, an exercise in frivolity because, again, there's so many things that can happen that can turn out differently that these things are really kind of a waste of time. But the purpose of the article was to just go through the valuation math, and, and which you know suggests that no matter kind of how you cut it, prices have to be lower next year. And this is, all, of course, all based on the premise that we're going to have a recession. And, and, you know, I can and this is something that we've talked about a lot here on the show recently is that, you know, we wrestle with this idea of a recession. Right. How do we avoid a recession at this point? You know, what could happen that could help us stay out of a recession? In other words, we avoid this this economic slowdown. And, you know, we could have, you know, unemployment remain very strong. Sorry, not unemployment. Employment remain very strong. Unemployment remain very low. We could have wages increase, uh, which would help consumption. But the problem with that is if that happens, you're going to sustain higher rates of inflation, which the Fed is geared up to beat, right? They're, they're going to keep hiking rates until they, they beat inflation into submission which almost tells you you've got to have a recession. I don't know how you get around that fact. And Jerome Powell this weekend, sorry, this this Wednesday, not this weekend, this Wednesday, Jerome Powell is going to make their, their latest FOMC announcement. And, and again, after his, his um, Brooksings Institution speech last week that shot the market up 3% a day, he's going to be much more cautious, I suspect, 
about saying something that could be misinterpreted as a Fed pivot or a dovish stance in his speech. My guess is he's going to be a lot more deliberate about talking the talk about what the Fed's going to do, that we're going to hike rates until we tame inflation. Wouldn't even surprise me that they hint at a 50 basis point rate hike at the first meeting in February of, of next year. That's much stronger than, than what markets are currently predicting. They could, they could hint at more rate hikes next year than what the market's currently expecting. That's very possible. So there's a lot of things as we head into this FOMC meeting that, you know, there's a lot of hawkish surprises. I don't really understand, can't really figure out how they come out too dovish. Unless tomorrow's CPI report just shows a dramatic plunge of some sort. But there's no real evidence of that in housing prices or in manufacturing data, consumer confidence data, you know, there's nothing to suggest that something broke between November, between October and November. And there was this massive just slowdown in, in everything. It could happen, but we just haven't seen anything resembling that in any of the latest data, right? Consumer confidence ticked up a bit because of lower oil prices, lower gas prices, people feeling more confident, which means they probably went out and bought more stuff, right? Did a little extra shopping on Thanksgiving. So there's nothing that really suggests that tomorrow's CPI report is going to have this dramatic plunge unless there's some type of mathematical recalculation that the Fed does behind the scenes to bring that rate down. Just don't see that happen. You know, so it wouldn't surprise me to, to see the Fed really kind of double down tomorrow what, you know, their stance is in terms of, beating inflation that that's their primary goal they're going to continue to hike rates until they get inflation down to their target they're going to try to get rates to what they consider to be a neutral rate um, which is high enough to slow that demand which right now they think is around five five and a quarter percent on the fed funds rate they're going to hike rates to that level and then hold it there until inflation comes down that's a huge risk. And again, they're trying to create demand destruction. So how do you have an economically strong economy that avoids a recession when you're purposely trying to create demand destruction? GDP, 70% consumption. Fed, I want to destroy Consumption. I want demand destruction. I want to reduce the demand in the economy. How do you avoid a recession? I can't figure it out. What bothers me is, is that everybody is in the recession camp. Literally, I can't find hardly anybody saying, you know, noteworthy. There's a lot of idiots out there, but I can't find anybody noteworthy saying, oh, yeah, we're going to avoid a recession. It'll be fine. Other than Goldman Sachs. But the problem with, with an economic slowdown, economic recession, is that earnings have to come down more. And if you have an earnings recession, that's an entirely different outcome for the markets. And when we're talking about, you know, 
3500 3100 based on $205 in earnings next year, you drop that 205 to 180 170 160 that's a very different market outcome. And something I don't think most investors are, are really prepared for. But the, the but this is the challenge. And again, so you know, so the 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 Fed right now has to do really two things. One, on Wednesday, they really have to be clear about their intent. And and what they've got to do is eventually break that Fed put idea. This market has been holding up all year long. And it's interesting, money flows into mutual funds and ETFs are at a record this year, right? So despite the fact that investors are terrified of the bear market and they're just, you know, hate the bear market, they're still piling money into mutual funds and ETFs, right? Why? Because they're afraid of missing the bottom. That Fed put, man, when the Fed comes in and does their put, man, markets are going to take off. I don't want to miss it. I'm just going to keep buying because eventually the Fed's going to bail everything out. So that's what we've taught people over the last 12 years. So one thing the Fed's got to do is that they've got to eventually break that idea that they're going to come in and bail out every market downturn. But it's a problem you created, so now you're going to have to try to fix it. Alistair Crook uh, suggested that the Fed's goal is, is, is exactly that. He says the Fed may be attempting to implement a contrarian control demolition of the U.S. bubble economy through interest rate increases. The rate rises will not slay the inflation dragon. They would need to be much higher to do that. The purpose is to break the generalized dependency habit of free money. And, and that's, that's an interesting thought, right? Uh, you know, it's you know, the Fed has got to realize that after 12 years, that every time the market dipped, they started doing QE. And again, you know, Ben Bernanke did QE1, QE2. And then um, we did a whole QE3 program to, you know, offset the fiscal cliff following the debt default trap that we got ourselves into. You know, they exploited markets higher. We created asset bubbles and everything from bonds to stocks to housing to, to you know, asset classes all across the board. And the Fed's got to to understand that risk, and that we you know we cre keep creating these bubble account, this bubble market, right? There's this boom bust market because of this dependency that you know we don't even look at fundamentals anymore. It's now like who cares about fundamentals of stocks? It's just what's the Fed going to do? And even here on the show, that's what we talk about. It's like you know, it's like here's the technicals of the market. This is what it's doing. What's the Fed doing? Because that's all that matters. So one of the interesting bylines to all of this is whether or not the Fed is actually trying to break that dependency on quantitative easing. That's the case. That's a very different game plan. Anyway, we'll have that in an article coming up here soon. All right. Uh, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Um, our latest three minutes on markets and money will be coming out shortly. Our daily market commentary is up and posted on the website now with today's trading market update. Um, also, our latest newsletter on the website as well. Lots of stuff there. Latest articles, blog posts, more. It's all there. Realinvestmentadvice.com. Send your questions, comments, emails as well. Realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.